91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. Halloween from Horror Movie Night. So, only two of us watch this movie. <laughs> We're just coming right out and saying it. One of us had an extra week to watch this movie. Still didn't do it. So, what we're going to do is Scott and I are going to talk about this movie. And Brian will, you know, chime in with his best assumptions of what we're talking about. But this is going to be a social experiment because a lot of you guys listen to us talk about movies that you've certainly never seen. And I'm curious if it's even remotely possible to follow what we're talking about. So Brian is going to be our stand in for the audience as we discuss 2002's May picked by Scott. Scott, you've been threatening to pick this. Well, threatening is not right because it's a great movie, but you've been yeah. saying that you were going to pick this movie for probably seven years. So tell me why now was the time to strike on May? Because I got to have a pick that was on Halloween and it's a Halloween movie. <laughs> that is true. That is, I mean, touche. So <laughs> May starts off right out the gate with her receiving this doll. And that doll is just as a the, child, as a child, that doll is just the perfect level of creepy from the second you see it. Her name's Susie. Yes. Susie, the doll. Who she's not allowed to touch. No, it has to stay in a glass case at all times. Of emotions. I'm, yes. <laughs> and May is played by uh, Angela Bettis. Bettis. Yeah. Bettis yep. uh, who just is fucking crushing it in this movie she's so good i'm as... so sad that she doesn't seem to be working anymore i mean maybe she's behind the camera now but man she like i i just think that she's the best 
She's so good in this. It's such a shame that Brian didn't watch this movie because it kind of is like following the beats of a normal serial killer. And Brian, I said the beats, not a beats. I don't think you're hungry. Killer tofu. <laughs> yes, uh, you. Um, so the <laughs> I just pieced together that joke. Um, but yeah, like I don't write a lot of notes for this one because a i've probably watched this movie like 20 to 30 times um which is why i'm so baffled brian hasn't seen it once because i watched it a lot um but a good chunk of this movie just feels like an awkward rom-com which is amazing yeah, yeah with music by the breeders in the background that's yeah <laughs> and and things don't like there's like little hints that may like might be a little off center oh, but yeah. But like beyond that, it's it's really just like, yeah, she's just this awkward girl that's got like a lot of issues between like, you know, the lazy eye and not a lot of friends and the way her mom raised her. Like she's just a little off, but she's got a good heart and she works at her job and her friends like her. And, you know, all but she that doesn't have stuff. real friends. She has a no, she has co-workers. Yeah, yeah. she has co-workers. Well, one of whom is played by Anna Ferris. And she's like a flirty lesbian. Yes, yeah, she's she loves to uh, smash that poon. I guess. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what they say. Cut that. <laughs> uh, but then you know, then she's got a you know her boss likes her. It's not like it's like you know like a lot of these movies would be like the boss is a dick to her and everyone makes fun of her. But it goes in this different direction where like people for the most part are very nice to may but she just can't connect with anybody yeah yeah she's well i i think that it's if this movie were made now um i feel like they would have just gone the the autism route um but i think that with this it it wasn't like a nature thing it's like a nurture thing that she just never learned how to be social and so she just can't yeah, she just picks up her cues from everyone else. So if she sees someone smoking, she smokes. If, you know, someone like she she falls in love with the mechanic, uh, and it's Elton, but uh, Elton, from Clueless, yeah, starts hanging out with him all the time, um, and he shows her the movie that he made in college, which is like this weird zombie flick, uh, which is I I mean I love that scene, but he shows her the zombie date movie that he made, and then when they start making out it's the closest thing she's ever seen to kissing. So she starts biting him and tearing at him just like the zombies did in the movie. And she's like, it's just like your movie He's like, no, this is fucked up. You have to go. And she's like rubbing his blood all over her face and shit. And, you know, shockingly he gets like turned off by that. <laughs> Which... Well, it's, it's, I love the fact that she doesn't understand why he's offended or not offended, but why he's not into it because she's like, we just watched this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We literally, you just made me watch a movie where two but she like gets turned on. I love the fact that she gets turned on by murder and mayhem. It's so funny. Yeah. Um, And that's when she accidentally kills her cat out of anger, but she doesn't know what to do with it. So she just keeps the corpse around so she can still pet it. Yeah. She, and then it starts to stink. And so she puts it in the freezer. Yeah. Which anyone would do. Um, and the other big thing that is probably the most uncomfortable scene for me in this movie is when she goes to hang out with the blind kids. Oh yeah. She's um, out. And then she's yeah. like, no, don't. 
Yeah, she brings so so Brian and the listeners. She brings Susie the doll in the glass case for the blind kids to to see for like show and tell. That was hmm. not the right wording. No, <laughs> jeez, Matt. But I have a heart. The, the kids all keep coming up to touch the glass box, and she's like, "Oh no, no, you shouldn't touch that!" And she drops the box, and it shatters. And the kids get on their hands and knees to try to find the doll, and they're just putting their hands all over the shards of glass, <laughs> and it's just blood all over the classroom, and it's it's fucking unsettling to watch for so many. See, reasons. I what's... haven't seen it, so I'm sure it's like this really like uncomfortable artistic scene. But I just describing that sounds like something in a Lloyd Kaufman movie, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just picturing. Like, over the top blind kids and oh people slipping and falling (laughs) on the blood like the blood spraying out of their hands like a hose yeah (laughs) well i didn't realize that that's what i needed from this movie (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's it's done in a very like you feel so bad for these kids and she ends up scratching up her own eyes with shards of glass that are in her own hand (laughs) yeah she's got blood all over her face it's it's fucking unsettling but this is where she gets picked up by my favorite character in this whole movie, oh. the fucking punk rock dude. <laughs> it's like, do you have any ice for my nipples? Yeah, you got night. Man, it is hot. You mind if I take off my shirt? He like takes off his shirt and he's like, "It is so hot in here. You got any ice that I can rub on my nipples?" Shoot. And and that's where he finds the dead cat in the freezer. So she stabs him in the face with a pair of scissors. No. <laughs> I don't know if I wanted to watch this movie. I feel like, like this is a perfect character study for Brian, and he fucked it up. No, yeah, he really the, did. I, I don't know, man. I love character study. It's it's so weird. I love character studies, but I really and I do for someone that loves true crime and horror movies. I really don't like gore. You know, yeah. I like the mind of a serial killer. I don't like watching a serial killer at work. Well, Brian, it's about to get fucking crazy here, right? So May decides, so she kills this punk guy by mistake out of self-defense. And she's like, man, he's got this great chest. And then she's thinking about the mechanic and how much she likes his hands and how much she likes her friend's legs. And she realizes that she only likes part of her friend's but if she kills all of them and stitches them together, she can make one perfect friend for herself. Oh, so, this is awesome. Yeah, so this that's Frankenhooker. Yeah. So this yeah. is when this is when the killing begins. Um and she No, it just go, continues. This is this continues. is after the first kill. <laughs> so she goes to uh hang out with Anna Ferris and Anna Ferris's new uh girlfriend. And this is where the girlfriend is drinking milk straight out the carton like a fucking monster. <laughs> it's because and... she's been drinking vodka all night and she's got a piss. <laughs> and May just takes a sewing needle and just sh- shoves both of them in the sides of her head. Oh. And she drops to the ground and there's just this single blood shot of milk. spilt milk with the blood flowing through it. And it's fucking beautiful. It's a beautiful shot. Um, but then she's got to get to the mechanic and this is where, so there's an actress who I genuinely believe, uh, I cannot pronounce her name, but I'm going to give it a shot. Nora Zahotner. Zahot, uh, mm-hmm. She plays Hoops is her character's name in this movie, but she's in Brick. And she has, without 
competition the prettiest fucking eyes I have ever seen <laughs> on an actress. And I remember thinking that when I saw Brick and then I rewatched May and I'm like, oh shit, there she is again. Um, but yeah, she's just got these big blue eyes. It's ridiculous. Uh, but she's she's there. She's getting all flirty in front of May with her ex-boyfriend just to kind of make May jealous. And, uh, you know, so May kills them both, bitches. Uh, she goes home and she sews up all these bodies into like a giant rag doll. Uh, like it's got like a bag over its head, like a bag head. You know what I mean? Like it's so it's like part body parts, part fabric. And she's got she puts these little stone eyeballs on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she realizes that the, the dummy's not coming to life. And she's like, oh, it's because it can't see me. So she goes in the mirror and cuts out her only good eye since she has the lazy eye Mm. and she puts her good eye on the dummy. And then as she dies from bleeding to death, the dummy's hand comes up and starts to caress her as she dies. Oh, wow. What a movie. Well, and I think that the, the, the way that they have the hand at the end caressing her face, um, it's ambiguous. It's done in a really nice way so that it's ambiguous whether it's her death vision or if it's really happening. Yeah. I think that this movie is a straight realistic horror movie, not a supernatural horror movie. So I no, think I that it's just that. her her dying wish is happening. But I know that some people are like, oh, no, like it's it's it came to life. And I'm like, I don't. No, it's 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 what I liked about this movie and what I think would be like the only reason that we would ever be hesitant to do it on the show is that it's kind of as fun as the movie is. It's a very tragic movie. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's kind of one of those. So I recently rewatched the the Child's Play remake, and it it reminds me in a lot of ways of that in the sense that, like, you feel for May the entire movie because she deep down is a good person. She just doesn't understand and and has had like a rough life and a very lonely life. And like, I love that aspect about this movie actually is that you really sympathize with her the whole film, but she's a killer. (laughs) Yeah. But she's a total like cuckoo, crazy serial killer, but you can look past that because she's she's got a heart of gold. And a bloodlust that cannot mm. be quenched. <laughs> mm, that's so, Brian, I were love. you able to follow that shit? Yeah, no. It's, it seems like a movie I wish I would have watched. Maybe Mind you should the watch uncomfortability parts, but I, I like see that's the, the character studies I like. The, it's uncomfortable, but it's also really funny. It's like, like Matt said, it's like a rom com. It's so weird. I don't know. It's so um, it was written and directed by Lucky McKee, who also did All Cheerleaders Die and um, The Woods. What was that? They're like the girls at the um, at the at the prep school um, that's witches and stuff like that. I think it's called The Woods. Um, and he also did a male version of this movie either directly after or directly before called Roman, which is not nearly as good. And the funny thing about that is that I believe Angela Bettis directed that one. Yeah. So they worked together on both of them. I just think that Lucky McKee 
it's not as egregious. I won't say that it's as egregious, but Lucky McKee to me is very similar to how I felt about Eli Roth, where like their date, like the first film that I saw by them. So in this case, uh, Cabin Fever and May, I was like, holy shit, this is this is the vision of horror for the future. And then and then they failed. They, yeah, they never they never came close to how good that first movie was. Um, I agree with you, but let me say two things. Well, one thing about each. So Lucky McKee is really problematic because um, he has a very strange, strange obsession with lesbians. At first, I thought he was being progressive about his beliefs. But when you watch his filmography and there are lesbians everywhere in it it feels like fetishism yeah and it really i mean like like i said he's problematic in that way i think that he thinks that lesbians are hot and he just wants to make women kiss i don't know like it's it's not like queer horror it's porn yeah they're yeah they're just kind of there um yeah i mean i know the the woman was like pretty well received i thought it was okay oh the woman that's right he also did the woman but he did i'm trying to see he did one of the the stories in one of brian's favorite anthology films wait what did he do tales from halloween or tales of halloween or whatever which which one did he do in that what which (laughs) which part of the anthology did he do who are you talking to (laughs) i don't know no i was doing the uh forgetting sarah marshall (laughs) <laughs> who are you talking to what, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay so he did oh he actually did my favorite episode uh my favorite segment of uh tales of tales halloween, halloween. He which did one Ding the Dong. kids oh man what a great 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 short why didn't you pick tales from halloween this month like i don't i don't tales know i probably should have yeah, you decided to go with the blind watch. Yeah, I was thinking about a bunch of other things. He didn't pick Tales from Halloween for for October. He didn't pick Creep Show One. He didn't pick the Twilight Zone movie. Like I'm just thinking about all the things we left on the table. And I certainly, I certainly don't want to do another month of anthology films. No, I can tell you that again. right now. See, uh, the, the closest thing is like when the second season of the Twilight Zone launches on CBS. Maybe we'll knock out Twilight Zone the movie. But after that, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the no more anthology films pops back up because Jesus, they're so hard to discuss. I feel like we were so ADHD this month. Oh, it was this was a rough month for us. But guys, we've recorded some shit for November already, and I promise you, the the shit that we've got for November already is fucking like Italian stereotypical gesture of kissing on a pizza box because <laughs> the Italian yum hand. Yeah, the yum hand. It's, uh, I mean, just wait for next week's episode. Next week's episode is going to be fucking great. Anyway. Uh, but, so, oh, I, I, so I got sidetracked. I wanted to say something about Eli Roth because I've oh, yes, sorry. talked to him a lot on this show. But I do have a certain level of respect for him because he's actually way better as a uh, contributor to the horror culture than a director. I agree. Like, I, I think that he's, so we, there's been a discussion and we'll get into this. I'll, I'll say already now that the What Did I Watch is going to be the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. But there was a discussion that we had on 
horror movie night about Kevin Smith recently because someone had posted that they had purchased yoga hosers. Mm-hmm. And someone was like, ever since I saw uh, how he reacted to the Harvey Weinstein stuff, I've always had respect for him. So I was like, what did like, cause I couldn't remember. I'm like, what did yeah, he say about that? So I Googled it and he basically did like a two hour podcast, breaking it down. And he basically was like, he, he said one of the things that he said on that podcast that that was so powerful to me was he's like, it's been a really fucking weird week for me because my entire career is tied to this guy who I've re- literally lionized for the last 20 years. He goes, but I had no clue what was happening. So if while my life was succeeding, while he was doing these terrible things then fuck my career, you can have it. I don't want it anymore. And I was like, that is such a powerful, like, that is such like a powerful, like solidarity statement of yeah. like, so I was like, you know what? Yeah. Like kudos to Kevin Smith. And and that's the thing. Kevin Smith and Eli Roth have always struck me as probably better humans than they are directors. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I also think Eli Roth is a better actor than he is a director. So. <laughs> uh, but I can't say is... the same for, you know, Kevin Smith. No, Kevin Smith is uh, the most I can say about Kevin Smith is he's the most talented actor in the Smith family. <laughs> <laughs> 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Meanwhile, in New Jersey. So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie. Let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. So, (laughs) uh, let's go into our double features. Hey, Brian. My double feature is is October Sky because it starts with a month. Okay. (laughs) So, Scott, you picked this one. What's your double feature? Uh, so I want to talk about awkward people in rom-com-esque ways. So I'm going to start with May and mm-hmm. then I'm going to end with Lars and the Real Girl, Ooh. which is such a good movie. I so love that movie. I, I can't watch it anymore, though. It's just too sad. <laughs> yeah. Mine's uh, going to be way more on the nose, and uh, I think I've made it a double feature at least two other times. We've talked about it on this show before. Uh, my double feature is going to be fucking Patchwork. because oh, so, so good. It's such a fun movie, and it's kind of, it's a, it's a lot more lighthearted than May is. Like, May is funny, but like I said, it's a little bit more tragic, whereas Patchwork is just fucking balls to the wall fun. So. Yeah. You know, patchwork it is. Um, so, Scott, what did you watch recently that you want to plug away? 
Well, um, I well, who? What do I want to plug? That's a yeah. good question because I've watched some shit. Um, well, I've been doing my usual. Um, oh, I've got all these ideas for movies. I should probably. Well, here's the thing that people don't know is that I actually watch. Um, stuff before picking it almost exclusively watch before picking it uh unlike some people that you know on this podcast Matt, <laughs> you can't pull that joke after just telling me that i have a watched list instead of a watch list. <laughs> all right that was months ago that was like two weeks ago yeah but to the listeners it was months ago no to the listeners it was about two weeks ago <laughs> wow i have to go <laughs> you already pooped you don't get that excuse again all right so liquid death water all goddamn day <laughs> oh man um okay so the thing that i do want to mention is that i watched uh i watched chastity bites like a month ago have you guys okay. ever seen that never even heard of it <sighs> there's a good reason <laughs> Um, it's, it's, um, it's supposed to be like a teen flick about Elizabeth Bathory coming to this town and becoming, and she needs virgin blood to stay young forever. Right. And so she puts together this abstinence group for the girls and it is trying so hard to be like, she's all that meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I'd say. And it's really not fun or funny, but the most amusing part about it for me is the fact that we have some straight-up 25-year-olds playing 17-year-olds, and it's just... I always get a kick out of that. But on, right. the, on the opposite side, similar idea. Um, I was working on a mask for Megan and I to wear for uh, Halloween. And I was watching Halloween um, on Shudder. And it's been maybe two years since I watched the original Halloween. And it's just one of those movies that it's so much like May to me where you put it on and you don't even have to pay attention. It's just so. It's a warm blanket. Yes, it is. <laughs> You're it's just, just like, like oh, all I'm the sounds home. yeah like this it, just the 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 audio cues are so great that you just just feel so comforted by people yeah. getting, getting murdered <laughs> yeah i mean don't we all um <laughs> so uh brian how about you real quick uh i finished i don't remember if i brought this up when i first started watching it but regardless i finished um righteous gemstones Oh, I want to watch it. So fucking good. So good. Uh, dark, very dark humor. Um, check it out. Like, even, right. Why don't even you explain you... to the listener what it is? So what it is, is it is this family that are that all work at a church, but it's like the multi-million dollar, super rich pastors. Yeah, the, um, the mega churches. Yeah, the mega churches. And it is uh, Danny McBride. And he writes Adam it. Adam Devine, um, some girl who's a writer in Hollywood. I I've never I don't even remember her name, but um, I don't remember for anything else from anything else. And then John Goodman is the father, 
and uh, which is so wild, so wild. And it's so funny that I like. Um, so I saw John Goodman a few times, a few times when I was in LA and I think it's, I think I saw him. And if I did, he has a full sleeve of tattoos and it fascinates me that it never shows on television unless I this saw something called makeup. Different. I know, but it's crazy. Um, but yeah, man, really, really funny. Um, you have to get past the first 15 minutes of the first episode. Do not base it off the first 15 minutes because the first 15 minutes is very eastbound and down. And mm-hmm. while I love that as a senior in high school, I've kind of grown out of that humor. Um, oh, bullshit. <laughs> I had like, I don't know. I have like, it's just not that funny to me. Um, poop jokes are funny. Big dick <laughs> jokes aren't funny. Um, it's a line. All right. Grow up. Talk about poop. <laughs> That's it. I'm rambling now. Uh, and Brian, have you listened the, to our show ever? <laughs> and Brian, the, the actress's name is uh, Edie Patterson, and mm-hmm. she was uh, one of the leads on Vice Principals and is in the new movie Knives Out that comes out in a few oh, weeks. It's going to be so That you was, saw at Fantastic I, No, I didn't. Oh, Katie, Katie saw. saw uh, and she also was in the Between the Two Ferns movie that came out a couple weeks ago. Which is also great. Yeah. Um, so as I said earlier, I saw uh, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. I made the mistake of, <laughs> of not paying attention. Move. Yeah, I, I didn't pay attention. It was a Fathom event. I could only see it on Tuesday or Thursday, and I had plans on Tuesday. So I was like, fuck it. I'll just buy the Thursday tickets. That's fine. Didn't look up what like this. I forgot that like these movies have like different types of things. So it'll be like a behind the scenes or whatever. So I bought tickets for the Jay and Silent Bob double feature, which meant that before I could watch this movie, I had to sit through Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back again, which thankfully I like that movie and watching it with a crowd is fun because no one cares about like yelling out quotes. (laughs) So (laughs) it was very like Rocky Horror Picture Show esque in that sense. Uh, Um, You lost me again. (laughs) Well, just, you know, like people rapping along to the, Mother, motherfuck, mother, motherfuck, motherfuck, or when Mark Hamill shows up and it says it's Mark Hamill applause and the whole theater starts clapping (laughs) like little stuff like that was like added some charm to it. But it's still it's a dumb movie, but it's still a fun movie. Um, Give him the map, Scott. Give him the map, Scott. (laughs) (laughs) But the Jay and Silent Bob reboot is pretty, pretty funny. Um, The biggest problem that I implied earlier is that. Kevin Smith's daughter is one of the leads in the movie and she's just not a good actress. No, and it really, not. it really bums me out because there are, I will say that this movie is, I would say it's worse than Zack and Miri and clerks too, but it is better than all of his horror films and cop out. So it's, and it's yoga losers. Yeah. I will say that it's very awkward to me that like, Kevin Smith writes a part for his daughter that is so sexually explicit with what she does. Uh, it's like just very like uncomfortable. And I get like that the joke. So the, the premise of the movie is that they're doing a reboot of blunt man and chronic. Uh, but the Hollywood studios tricked Jay and silent Bob into signing off their likeness rights. So they can't legally be Jay and silent Bob anymore. So they're going to crash up the movie so that they can be Jay and silent Bob again. Um, and along the way, Jay finds out that he has a long lost daughter, but he's not allowed to tell her that he's her dad. So it's like 
there's all this dialogue where she's so clearly Jay, like in the things that she says and talks about doing, but it's just very awkward that it's Kevin Smith's daughter that's saying the dialogue. So it's like, uh, but it, it falls in this line where the middle is really rough, but the opening is really funny. Cause it's just this nostalgic throwback to what you remember Kevin Smith movies being. And then the, the third act touches on like when Kevin Smith is able to do really sweet stuff. Uh, like scenes in Chasing Amy and scene like some of the better scenes in Jersey Girl and like the really heartfelt moments in Zack and Mary make a porno like it it captures that balance the middle is like a complete fucking mess but uh <laughs> but it's worth it. it's when it's available for like VOD if you're a fan of the Viewisk universe it's absolutely worth watching um but I don't know if it's worth paying money to watch both of them for three and a half hours. In a yeah, that was kind of a fuck up. Well, yeah. so here's here's a question I have for both of you guys. Do you remember the show? Well, I'm sure Matt remembers it, but this was before Brian's time. So I don't know if you listened or watched it. Um, uh, Todd and the Book of Pure Evil. Uh, only because you told me about it. Did you watch it ever, Matt? Yeah, I watched the shit out of it. Oh my god! I have it on DVD. I think you sent me one of the DVDs when we were really? doing Red and Hard Club. That sounds about right. Oh <laughs> man, I I absolutely love Todd in the Book of Pure Evil, and Jason Mewes is the oh, janitor. The wise old janitor. Yeah, <laughs> Brian, if you can find a, a way to watch the two seasons of it, I highly recommend you do so because it's really fun, and they have a musical. Oh, so it's 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 heavy metal. Like it's a heavy, the the creator of it um wrote all the music as far as i know all it's it's basically kind of like ash versus evil dead meets um glee almost mm -hmm. meets yeah. deathgasm yeah mm. with a little bit of metalocalypse in there. Well, and metalocalypse it's, it's like a live yeah. action metalocalypse but ash versus evil dead with like gallons like kiddie pools full of gore in every yeah. episode the, the best way to describe it is always so the the concept is that this school has a book that kind of is like it's the, the book uh, of pure evil it's the necronomicon yeah, it's, it's the necronomicon but it's kind of like a monkey's paw so people use it to like unleash their deepest wishes but it's always like a fucked up version um so the episode i always tell people about is there's a there's an overweight girl who gets picked on for being overweight so she wishes that uh, she was skinny. Um, so what ends up happening is that all of the fat melts off of her becomes, <laughs> becomes a demonic fat that if it touches you, you become really fat. Yeah. Uh, and, and now she has to face that or the one where the kid gets sick, is sick of being bullied for being gay. So he wishes that there was at least a few gay kids in the school and then everyone's gay and he gets bullied for being straight. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a weird it's a weird show. It's a funny show. But yeah, Jason Muses in every episode is the janitor who uh, you get to hear him sing badly. Oh, dude, he's and that's the other problem. The the worst part about watching Jay and Silent Bob reboot is just like looking at Jason Muse in his forties, <laughs> like just like he just uh, I know that he's been clean for like ten years now, and that's awesome. But like the damage of meth and heroin is still there. And it doesn't like, go away magically, man. Yeah, but uh, you know, all in all, it's worth seeing. There's definitely some, there's some top tier quotes in that fucking movie. So, uh, yeah, check it out for those alone. But 
That was May as picked by Scott from 2002. Join us next week when we have a special guest from our podcasting network and we talk about meta films. That's all I'm going to give you. Figure it out from there, guys. <laughs> uh, check us out on all of our social media at HMN podcast i don't know why i always take a pause as if i don't know what the name of the show is uh, <laughs> and visit us on patreon.com backslash hmn podcast or send us emails with movie suggestions that we will maybe use once or twice a year uh at hmn podcast at gmail.com thanks for listening guys peace Network. 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. Um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.